Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey there, everybody. Tom Salemi here. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This week's Breaking Health Podcast is sponsored by Deloitte. Deloitte's life sciences and healthcare practice is among the largest in the world. It leverages the extensive knowledge and experience of over 9,000 professionals in 99 countries. This network offers a distinctive menu of integrated professional services to address the specific needs of the life sciences and healthcare industries. Thanks, Deloitte, for sponsoring the Breaking Health Podcast and the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. I'm flying solo today. I gave Steve Group of the Week off. Sort of. He's doing an interview today. We'll have the uh, the interview for you next week in the podcast. I know you'll like it. It's a great story, great company. But today I am going to interview our friend Bill Geary, general partner of Flare Capital Partners. Bill is a terrific investor in healthcare technology and also happens to be co-chair of the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which is happening on November 30th in Boston. Bill and uh, our fellow co-chair, Robert Mittendorf of Norwest Venture Partners, have worked very hard to put together a fantastic agenda using the insights and guidance of our advisory board. We, uh, I think, are hitting upon a lot of the important issues of the day. And uh, I know we've assembled a terrific roster of speakers. Go to healthogy.com. Check it out yourself. That's the word health, followed by letters E. GY.com. Healthogy is the producer of the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit and the Breaking Health Podcast. And uh, check out the agenda yourself. It's, uh, it's going to be a great day. It has sold out the last two years, thanks to the effort of Robert and Bill. Likely we'll sell it again, so I advise you not to wait. In this podcast, we'll get into some of the highlights of the conference toward the, the end of the conversation. But I opened the, the conversation trying to learn a bit more about our guest, in this case, Bill Geary. And uh, Bill was very forthcoming about his experiences. He had uh, a difficult experience with healthcare growing up. I'll let him tell the story in the podcast. But it's one of those uh, events or series of events that leaves a lasting imprint. And uh, so many folks in healthcare, I think, use those experiences and those impressions to do a better job of trying to find a way, a better way of delivering healthcare to folks. And Bill is one of those, those people. He's in the podcast. He acknowledges that he's motivated by these experiences every day. So it was a, a great conversation. Very uh, happy that Bill took the time to, uh, to share his story. And uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation and uh, maybe it will resonate with you as well. So before we get into this talk, um, I do want to thank you for joining us. And uh, do go to healthagy.com. Check out the uh, fantastic agenda that Bill Geary and Robert Mittendorf have helped us put together. Now let's get into this chat with Bill Geary of Flare Capital Partners. <laughs> Bill Gary, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the chance uh, to be with you. It's great to have you. We have a, a lot to talk about and still a lot to do on the on the summit. Uh, it's coming up in a month and a half on November, two months, November 30th. And uh, still a lot of work to do, but we did want to cover a few things. Uh, talk a bit about the summit, but but I always like to start these podcasts learning a bit about the guests and sort of how they found their way into into healthcare. And with you, I, I, I'm impressed because as far as VCs go, you're really old school. You, you've been doing VC for a long time. Uh, you're, you're not an MD like our co-chair, Robert Mittendorf. Uh, it doesn't appear that you're an engineer. You sort of went straight into, into venture capital. How did a guy like you sort of find your way into that, uh, into that field? Well, I, I like to think of myself as a more contemporary version of old school. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for using the old school comment. But but I, I think I'm I think I'm more of a blend of of you know new school and old school. But maybe you know two seconds on 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 background because I do think it kind of helps shape my view of 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 healthcare technology. Never mind never mind kind of the trajectory of my own my own life. Uh, but I was born in a federal housing project uh, in in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and and so probably lived what what people call you know today social determinants, um, and and I lived that uh, for for sure. Uh, my my dad worked for uh, what what was called the Society of Saint Vincent de Paul. So think of it as kind of a a subset of Catholic charities uh, that that behaves and acts like like goodwill industries. Uh, so so uh, a, a business so to speak that that serves the underserved. Uh, and and serves the homeless and and they had a couple of store locations in some of the neediest areas uh, in Massachusetts and he used to take me on on weekends um, to the store they were open on Saturdays and I would give out clothing to the homeless uh, among other things because uh, I also there also was a front part of the store with the cash register and I preferred and always and always was more driven to asking him if I could run the cash register. It's seemingly what I liked more than almost anything else. Uh, but but the combination of um, of really kind of understanding uh, the 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 needs of uh, of all members of our society. Uh, never mind the fact that I like to be in the front part of the store. Uh, and and that particular store was located in in Boston's South End. Um, and and my dad was someone that 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 honestly I think were it not for were it not for uh, pieces of his own upbringing, you know could have been on either side of uh, of that store, which is to say he could have been the manager of the store, or or conceivably he could have been on the other side, you know receiving um, receiving clothing. And what I mean by that is uh, that that um, you know he he came from a great a great upbringing, a great a great family. Uh, or, or in, in a working class neighborhood of Boston, um, but when he was uh, 21, had open heart surgery, um, and he had open heart surgery at a safety net hospital in Boston, uh, Boston Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, today it was called Boston City Hospital. Then, uh, and and Boston Medical Center today, you know, is it still has 50 plus percent charity cases, and. And going way back when with my dad, he was one of those charity cases, and he had open heart surgery at a time when when it was certainly quite experimental. I, I think all these surgeries are always experimental in terms of the advances uh, that are being made. Uh, but with regard to open heart, uh, then uh, it was extraordinarily experimental. How terrifying was um, that experience? Well, 
they told him at the time uh, that they thought uh, he had a few years to live um, and um, and wouldn't be able to have children uh, or any of those other things. Uh, and of course, he met my mom. They fell in love. They married. She knew she knew all of all of his healthcare ailments. Uh, she was born in the same uh, working class neighborhood of Boston, um, and and both of them had gone to South Boston High School. Uh, my mom didn't finish. My dad did. Neither went to college, and so uh, so my brother and I. There are two of us. Are you know first gen, first gen uh, uh, college grads in in the family. Uh, so if you fast forward, here's a kid. I still ask my mom to this day, uh, what 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 motivated you? How did you get over uh, the health hurdles of my dad? You obviously fell in love with him, uh, and and he fell in love with my mom. But how did you get over those health hurdles, and 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 decide to you know make a life together and 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 kind of keep going, knowing that the path was really going to be pretty pretty rocky. And I think certainly some of it is they probably just didn't really know how rocky that path was going to be with my dad's help. Um, but the other part of it is, is you know, my own belief, too, that, you know, love conquers all. And so and so I think they're kind of a living testimony to that. My mom's still alive. She's 90. Uh, and um, uh, and we talk about my dad all the time. He died when he was 49. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so I had just finished my freshman year in college. And and from that open heart surgery, you know, back when he was 21, uh, he had all sorts of uh, major complications uh, that resulted in multiple other surgeries. I think he would have been a great candidate for a heart transplant. Of course, that was, you know, uh, it, it was way before his time there. Um, and ultimately uh, ended up, uh, you know, being blind, being immobile. Uh, and, um, you know, having, having a whole variety of other related surgeries, including brain surgery. Um, and, and, and I was kind of the person in the family that, that, uh, you know, as a kid with one older brother, uh, we would ask all the questions of all the clinicians. Um, I was the one that, that kind of remembered, you know, my dad's blue cross, number mm-hmm. uh, to this day. I, to this day, I still do. So whenever he'd be rushed into the ER, we were quite familiar with all the ERs uh, in the Boston area um, and, and all the staff of the ERs in the Boston area. Um, and so whenever he'd be rushed into the ER with, with a major you know, acute episode and a, and a major calamity, um, uh, I would be the one that would, that would you know, kind of give updated meds, uh, give his Blue Cross number, I'd tell them his date of birth and and everything else, um, and and so I think when when you're when you're a kid in that circumstance, um, maybe you can go one of a few different ways. But for me, uh, I, we just wanted to do everything we possibly could, of course, to help my dad, to be involved, to ask a bunch of questions, uh, to learn, and uh, and figure out how we could influence things. And 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 I'm saying that in a way that sounds very measured now. Uh, and very uh, and very calm about it, but you can imagine a lot of those a lot of those uh, you know episodes uh, were anything kind of but calm at the time. Um, but at the same time, w- what 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 we all wanted to do was uh, influence uh, the outcome mm-hmm. uh, and the path that my dad was on, and draw attention to his situation to see to see if there were things that could be that could be done, uh, and to push. Uh, clinicians uh, and push push you know all the physicians that were in his universe to figure out what if anything novel novel could be done and so 
so like full circle, uh, my interest, I, I think, in healthcare and health tech specifically as an investor probably has some roots going way back when with all of the frustration uh, around care coordination and transparency of information and patient access uh, and and never mind never mind just kind of dealing with the system and understanding patient financial responsibility um, uh, which we had a lot and we had no and we had no resources you know to deal with it um, and and thankfully you know my dad had insurance uh, and was covered uh, by kind of a very caring and great organization um, and they continued that uh, on their own even though the reality was you know he, he, he probably managed to work only only like 50 percent of the time uh, when, when he was you know from 21 to age 49 but he was pretty thankful that he had that extra time I'd say and had an extraordinarily positive outlook on life so that's a that's that's a little bit of personal background that's a lot. of my interest <laughs> in healthcare and health tech probably stems from that that's a lot of motive and, and not to get into me but I grew up about 10 miles from you and my family consisted of some aunts who were always sick and a grandmother who were always sick I still have the number for Mass General Hospital memorized because I would call all the time and check on them and go visit them and it's true when you when you deal with the healthcare system that frequently and you see where it falls short and you see where it succeeds, it, it kind of, it does become ingrained. And I don't know if it's a Boston thing because the healthcare system is so uh, integral to, to the society here, or if it's just the, the, the sickly relatives, but it, it does get in you like a bug that you, that you sort of can't shake and don't necessarily want to shake, but you could have gone in so many di- directions with that. I mean, given your, your dad's um, um, selfless career, you could have gone in that direction. You, I'm sure you could have gone to medical school. You went to Boston college, which is a pretty good school. Even a BU guy like me is willing to admit that. Uh, I think you just reluctantly, you just reluctantly admitted that, but I'll take it. (laughs) I did. I was going to bust your chops about it, but after that story, how the hell am I going to drop a bomb on you? Um, But it's a very good school and you could have gone in many directions. How did you, uh, how did you find your way to, uh, to the path that, that led you to where you are today? Yeah. Well, I, I think I always had this interest in, in, in technology uh, in healthcare and in finance, uh, and really didn't bring it all together until, until the opportunity, you know, to 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 be in, to be in the venture business, uh, and so started started in the finance and accounting area. Had a handful of clients uh, that were young emerging tech companies. Joined one of those companies uh, as as CFO, a company in the science and engineering software area. So I was kind of I, I was kind of edging my way toward things that were that that were not only more more technical in terms of the customer markets, but maybe moving even a little bit closer to things that 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 could kind of look like look like healthcare. Um, and um, and then and that company was was venture backed, uh, and then from there had the chance to join one of the venture investors uh, that had funded uh, that science and engineering software company. Um, and 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 initially focused on on tech companies and software, generally speaking, probably more enterprise software. Um, uh, and and then uh, several of us got together, and and I was was privileged to be a part of that early group um, to join uh, with two of the of the founding partners uh, at inception of Northbridge Venture Partners, and uh, and that was you know 25 years ago. Um, and and when when we started Northbridge, um, again my initial focus was uh, broadly enterprise software, 
but one of the first investments that I worked on and 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 made and and ultimately took took uh, the board seat for uh, was in the health tech area and 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 that was a team that spun out of United Healthcare. Uh, they were focused on on uh, benefits management and enrollment and self-service and and trying to not only bring transparency to all of the benefits management but but bring choice uh, to employees of large employers and and so that company for me made me realize that the, that this was a very specialized area of technology that the customers were different the needs were different uh this is certainly before you know before um Kind of today's successful march toward value-based care, um, but but uh, I knew that 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 uh, the solutions needed to be uh, quite finely tuned uh, to the needs of of the healthcare industry, which is you know a regulated industry. It's relentlessly incremental uh, in in the way in the way in which it evolves and changes, uh, despite. Uh, you know, pronouncements, uh, you know, to the contrary, that it's going to go one one direction or the other. It continues to slowly march along and slowly change and slowly improve uh, at at a predictable pace. And and so uh, to me, it 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 felt like finally like the culmination of not only a lot of my interests, uh, but also uh, I thought an underserved market opportunity. Um, and and so from then on out. Uh, kind of devoted my investing career, you know, to the health tech, the health tech space, um, and 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 have seen a lot of you know fascinating evolutions uh, toward that. Of course, when we started Flare Capital, which was just just a few years ago, we had our final close two years ago on a two hundred million dollar dedicated fund. We're maniacally focused on health tech and digital health, and Michael Greeley and I, and together with other founding members of our team. Uh, including Dan Geber Medden uh, as a principal, now Vic Lanio as a senior associate, Adam Bruce as our CFO, um, we're, we're, we're thrilled to be able to really help drive this this transition from fee for service to value based care, with with a unique focus on a handful of areas that we think are really really fundamental, and it ranges from AI and machine learning, you know, through to infrastructure uh, and analytics. Uh, as well, new models of care delivery. We we invest in in kind of quote pure product companies as well as pure services companies. Although those distinctions are substantially less meaningful, I might even argue not meaningful at all, uh, because many of these many of these companies are um, are tech enabled services uh, solutions providers, holistic solutions providers, and it, and it always I think in healthcare requires a blend of of technology and services to deliver a robust and complete solution to the customers that matter. So it was clear to me back back then in the early days since we started Northbridge Venture Partners that the health tech marketplace was different. Customers required different solutions. The needs were different. Um, and and for me, it really it really kind of brought all those interest areas together. And let's just take a quick break from this conversation. To remind you that Deloitte is a great sponsor of the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. Thank you, Deloitte, for your support. And for those folks who uh, haven't yet signed up, I do advise you to get to healthogy.com. Sign up right away for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. This has, again, sold out for the last two years. We're on a good clip to do it again this year. So we definitely want to see you at the Mandarin Oriental in Boston on November 30th. Now back to this conversation with Bill Geary. Do you still draw, you think, on those experiences 
from uh, your younger days, your your initial contact with the healthcare system? Does it every does, every day? Yeah. Every day. I mean, I think you know uh, uh, whether it ranges from care coordination, uh, care management, social determinants, serving the underserved, uh, finding the most needy populations, and figuring out how to get healthcare to them, but doing it in a way that lowers cost and improves outcomes every single day. Uh, I, I touch on 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 one or more aspect of kind of of of, uh, of where we started our discussion today. How do you think 1994 Bill, just starting out at Northbridge, making that first healthcare IT investment? How do you think you'd look at where we are today? Have we have we made the progress that you thought we would have made over that time? Where are we with uh, with sort of the digital health or the or the health tech revolution that we've been talking about for so long? Yeah, I, I I I think we're I think we're finally there, uh, and in that in that the market is ready, the customers are ready, um, uh, the business models are, are under tremendous stress, uh, that is of healthcare organizations, uh, and 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 therefore you know change uh, is not only coming, but 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 there are multiple C level execs uh, at customers. Of, of of these healthcare solutions uh, that all know it needs to happen, that something needs to change, that costs need to come down, and outcomes need to improve, and 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 I think that ROI uh, frame of reference, maybe if I could summarize it that way, but it's really twofold: it's lowering costs and improving outcomes. That that frame of reference um, is is critical today for all these digital health companies to not only embrace. Uh, but to be crystal clear about about the value the value that they that they provide you know a, a fair amount of capital there's been a lot of certainly been a lot of hype about about you know digital health and broadly health technology and 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 what it what it can bring there's the, there's been a lot of investor enthusiasm and some people have been critical of um, of well, where's the proof you know mm-hmm. what are what are the outcomes uh, that suggest that that digital health, or maybe more generally, the combination of technology and healthcare, will make a meaningful a meaningful difference. And and if you can imagine, it just it wasn't that long ago, uh, just a few years, right? That it, that that the market basically required uh, the intervention of the government. Again, we we live in a regulated industry, and we don't we don't lose track of that. But that the government uh, uh, incentivized. The adoption of electronic health records, um, which, which, in any other business sector, we would think of as among the most fundamental basic technologies. I mean, imagine running any other business sector, any other industry, without, you know, a common database and a billing system, and and which, of course, is what is what today's uh, EHRs do. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Uh, they are a common data store principally built for purpose around the billing system. And, and, and so that required government intervention in the form of incentives uh, to, to accelerate the adoption. I think the adoption would have happened anyway. It just would have happened on a, on a longer, slower path. But, but now that that, 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 you know, that one rock is in the jar, uh, the rest of the big opportunities to not only take advantage of that, but to change the business model uh, of healthcare and make it less about billing, uh, because it is less about billing and more about lowering costs and improving outcomes, uh, 
uh, it means that multiple other industries have been have been spawned. I, I do think it's it's not unfair criticism to ask uh, where are the proof points, where are the outcomes mm-hmm. uh, that, that that these things are uh, uh, that these technologies are working. But I also feel like like there are a lot of point solutions uh, in the digital health area that that haven't yet. Um, uh, taken their business model to the next step. And so and hmm. what I mean specifically is the ultimate proof point uh, for for the success of a digital health solution is to imagine that you're not just selling in a fee-for-service environment where, where your piece of technology becomes additive to the cost equation, but instead imagine that you were using that. You were, you were the consumer of your own technology and you were taking the financial risk for a segment of the patient population that you think you can serve best mm-hmm. and that you can do it and that you can do it less expensively. And so an area like behavioral health, which is certainly one that we've looked at, and, and, and I could talk about a dozen other areas, as you think about potential chronic conditions or groups of patients that look similar, um, some of obviously our society's most needy patients are what's called the dual eligible, so both Medicaid and Medicare, um, and 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 the cost to serve any any one of these chronic condition segments, diabetes, cardiac care, congestive heart failure, COPD, uh, among among other areas, um, or you know the poor and the elderly, the cost to serve to serve those segments are extraordinary. And so if your solution, which is both technology and, and the related service offerings, can indeed serve that segment, then, then take the risk, take the financial risk as a solutions provider for, for that segment and deliver, deliver back to the healthcare system um, a fixed cost a fixed cost solution. So I think one of the things that the, the summit is so good at is looking at the, the, the many different constituents within, constituents within healthcare. We, we think of hospitals and you guys, you and I were talking earlier about our experiences with, with the hospitals and the doctors, but there's the payers, there's the patients, there's the, 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 the technology that's coming in. This, all those three worlds are combining into healthcare. And I think we're doing a great job of, of bringing those thoughts to the stage. One of the the sessions that has me particularly intrigued is the discussion about AI, and uh, you've helped us bring two uh, two real masters of this space on the stage, which we hope will be a, a really engaging conversation about the future of AI. Can you tell us a bit about how you see that uh, that uh, discussion playing out? Yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have uh, Zach Kohaney, who chairs the Department of Biomedical Informatics uh, at Harvard Medical School. I'm honored to be on on Zach's advisory council of his of his department, um, and Atul Butte, uh, who chairs a similar department at UCSF. Atul was previously at Stanford, um, and uh, going back a little bit in his career, he was a postdoc in Zach's lab, and so so the two of them have uh, uh, have have kind of common origin, uh, and have really advanced. Uh, the field of AI and healthcare, and the field of informatics, and how important that is, uh, and 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 a tool uh, has been particularly visible uh, lately, and we're all thrilled for him uh, to have received uh, uh, some incredible funding uh, from um, 
from Priscilla Chan and Mark Zuckerberg uh, in the form of of a, of a ten million dollar you know gift to advance the work that his lab that his lab is doing. And so both Atul and Zach are recognized leaders you know in and around kind of the application of AI and 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 machine learning. Uh, and 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 they're and and they're great human beings, and terrific presenters, and so uh, so this will be a really I think hard hitting, really punchy, um, deep dive in, in, into uh, into what exactly is is there in AI? Is it overhyped? Where is it going? Where are the real opportunities in terms of the applications to healthcare? Um, and and how near term are they? How disruptive will they be? Uh, and and again, how can they lower cost and improve outcomes? Um, and 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 I, I I suspect that and and know that kind of the 50 percent of the areas a tool and Zach will agree, but the other 50 percent I think they might they, they might disagree, uh, perhaps even strongly, uh, with regard to uh, where the uptake will be, uh, and when, and 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 for us and for me uh, as an investor. Uh, I don't think AI is is hyped enough mm-hmm. in terms of, and of course we live in a time when 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 people think that AI is going to take over the world uh, and displace, you know, uh, most uh, if not every function that 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 humans do. Uh, and and from my point of view, it, it's 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 another technology and significant technology advance and plateau. Uh, that that will that that will actually create tremendous opportunity, different opportunity, and deliver, in my judgment, on lowering costs and 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 improving outcomes. Uh, and it'll and, and it'll start in areas where it's already where it's already started. Uh, we have a handful of investments, you know, that are that um, uh, are using AI uh, technologies and real solutions in the self-learning area. To um, not 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 just hyped ones, uh, but real ones, uh, to uh, fundamentally alter uh, markets that those companies are are going after, and it includes Health Reveal uh, with a with a really advanced clinical decision support system. The CEO there is Lonnie Reisman, who was the former chief medical officer at Aetna uh, for six or seven years before that CEO of Active Health. It includes a company called Edion, uh, also New York City based company. Uh, we just recruited Carolyn McGill as CEO. She was the former CEO at Remedy Partners, um, and before that, uh, part of the early and kind of founding senior management team at Evolent and United Health. Before that, uh, as well as WellTalk, um, and um, and 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 a number of other investments. Many of those execs will be in attendance uh, as well. And and we and and both Zach and the tool are going to be very concrete examples. Uh, without without uh, previewing too much of their content, as to where AI is going, its application, and how it can specifically address certain of those chronic conditions, uh, as well as members of our population at the patient level, uh, to really advance and recommend and implement uh, healthcare solutions, diagnoses, and solutions uh, that really that really you know change really change the curve. And, and so we're super excited about about having both Zach and a tool together in one place, uh, leading leading that segment. I, I know it'll be incredibly lively. That will be a great day. And and the other 
area or the other population that, that is, I think, becoming more invested in their own healthcare and, and seeing change happen are the, the consumers, are, are the patients. And we're going to we're going to talk about that a bit. And and I love uh, we've got Gary Loveman, who I think is is kind of a great follow up to last year. We had Aaron Martin, who left Amazon to join Providence. Now you have Gary Loveman, who left Caesars to join Aetna. Just having these great skilled people come into the healthcare system, uh, into the healthcare world, really really has to help and bring new perspectives. What 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 do you think Gary Loveman will will be bringing to the stage on November thirtieth? Well, you know, I mean, G- Gary Gary is also a fantastic presenter and a real thought leader in consumer engagement. Uh, you know, coming from outside of healthcare, um, uh, particularly in in several of his of his previous roles, including as CEO of one of the largest entertainment companies, Harris, uh, that um, that you know runs uh, casinos mm-hmm. uh, all all the way all the way through all the way through to um, kind of all the entertainment businesses that that they're in, and he's just a master of consumer engagement. Um, and and has you know built and and driven that segment of those companies uh, you know quite successfully. He's now a senior exec at Aetna, running Healthogen, and we're thrilled to have him because, again, I think people people think of of uh, almost these siloed areas of you know consumer engagement as if that's siloed. Uh, from the business model of of a provider system of a hospital, as if that's siloed from who the payer is. Uh, sometimes the payer is the hospital itself if they're at risk. Sometimes, of course, it's it's a traditional legacy insurance company or a novel new insurance company like like a Bright Health. Um, but in fact, these aren't siloed at all. Uh, the, the the art form is to figure out how to bring together um, all of those entities. Uh, the consumer, you know, prime among them into and together with a solution that solves problems for for providers and payers, uh, uh, not just, you know, siloed and, and discrete customers. And so Gary is a master, I think, at, at consumer engagement and consumer engagement strategies. He's now bringing that to healthcare. Uh, and 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 uh, and his views are pretty groundbreaking, and so we're we're super excited to have him uh, present and have him be part of the program on November 30. I can't wait to see his perspective. I think it's going to be fantastic. And uh, we, we're seeing from uh, from the ongoings in Washington that uh, that reform of healthcare is is not likely to come from 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 that quarter. It's going to come from the, the private sector and. As far as paying for the paying the bills, paying healthcare and reforming insurance, it's it's an area where we've seen a lot a lot happen. We've seen Oscar and and Bright come together, and uh, I guess it's time to sort of assess where we are. Uh, so you you've helped in putting together that panel, innovation in the insurance market. Where uh, where are we in that area, and uh, and what do you anticipate hearing from them on November thirtieth? Yeah, and I think we, again we have we have some great panelists uh, uh, for sure on on that group, as you said, Bright Health and Oscar included, uh, and and so uh, with the insurance markets in turmoil, uh, you know, uh, always uh, from turmoil is opportunity uh, that you know can be hard to discern on the surface, but when you dig deep, you're able to see it. And 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 those are companies that are certainly those are two examples of companies that are that are that are going after it. Um, uh, on that very same panel, uh, we also have an executive from Evolent Health, 
and and Evolent is you know arguably the largest solutions provider mm-hmm. uh, today in and around value based care, approximately four hundred million in revenue. Um, and so so it, it'll be a fabulous discussion to talk about the business models uh, of those solutions providers, uh, whether they look more like a next gen health plan, certainly like Bright Health. Uh, or they're a solutions provider to enable existing uh, uh, provider systems become payers, uh, which is more more like Evelyn Health. Uh, and Oscar has certainly you know made its initial mark uh, relative to um, consumer engagement, and and now you know figuring out how to how to uh, how they take that consumer engagement expertise and build build a novel healthcare company. And we'll have, uh, you mentioned Seth, Seth Blackley from Evelyn Health and Alan Warren from Oscar Health. And we'll also have uh, a representative from Humana up there, Busy Burr, the chief innovation officer. Uh, do you see the, the traditional payers sort of stepping up to the plate and keeping pace with, uh, with this innovation? I do, and I think Humana and, and, and Busy is, is, is fabulous, and she's a great representative of that organization, you know, driving, certainly driving innovation. Uh, Humana is a thought leader in in. Uh, uh, in the space, uh, as they are, as they are in some of the other uh, uh, market areas and new technology areas that they're focused on, from blockchain through to AI. Um, but I think having Humana's perspective, uh, they're they're uh, you know one of the largest, if not the largest, um, uh, plan offerings to Medicare patients met through Medicare Advantage, and so it'll 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 be fabulous having their perspective as kind of an incumbent. Uh, health plan uh, with novel new health plans that are trying to disrupt their very business uh, with a value-based care, you know, tech-enabled services solutions provider and Evolent as well. And so uh, that, that'll be a really enlightening, really enlightening panel. Uh, the Q&A from that, I think, will be fantastic. And obviously, all of these speakers are available throughout the day, many of them throughout the day. Um, uh, to interact with all with all the attendees. So so as, as as much as exciting as as each one of these panels will be, it's the interaction with the audience, in the context of the panel, and then before or after as part as as part of the group, uh, where where we'll all get tremendous value as attendees. Terrific. Well, it's going to be a fantastic full day, and I really do appreciate your work in putting together this effort. You and Robert work well together as a team, and you're a lot of fun as well. So. Uh, Thanks for all the hard work on on this one, Bill. Thanks so much, Tom. I really, again, appreciate the chance to talk to you today, and my pleasure to be involved in this. Uh, I love the opportunity. So thanks again. Well, that is a wrap, everyone. Bill Gary, thanks so much for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Quite a story you bring to the table, and I know it's helped you be the fantastic investor that you are. So uh, continue to do your good work. Thanks again for all the hard work you do for the Digital Health Innovation Summit. And I look forward to working with you going forward. Thank you, Breaking Health Podcast listeners, for joining us. It's always wonderful to have you here. Do us a few favors if you would, of course, register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. We would love to see you in the audience. Go to healthegy.com. That's the word health, followed by letters egy.com. After you've registered, you can also give us a ranking on iTunes for the podcast, help people find it. Shoot me an email. Let me know what we can be doing better. I'm at Tom at healthag.com. And, of course, always tell your friends about the Breaking Health Podcast. I think we're doing a great job here. The more ears listening, the better. And uh, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode of the Breaking Health Podcast. Tune in next week. Steve Cooper will be bringing you another great 
tale of innovation on the Breaking Health Podcast.